Welcome into the Daily Wolves podcast. I'm your host, Evan. As always, I'm joined by another guest. And today I've got Tanner, a very special guest here. Tanner, man, I'm glad I could finally get you on. I've seen your YouTube videos. I've, I've seen you around on social media. I'm sure a lot of Timberwolves fans that listen to my podcast have seen your work before. But Tanner, man, where can they find you on social media in case they haven't heard of you before? Oh, man, Evan, happy to be here. Happy to chop it up. Some Wolves talk. What better time for us to be talking about the Wolves when they're on a streak like this? But yeah, Tanner's Cranium, TikTok is probably where if you saw my videos on TikTok, I used to do top 10 lists. It was top 10 with Tanner for a minute. But Tanner's Cranium on TikTok, Tanner's Cranium on YouTube, Tanner's Cranium on Twitter. You guys can find me over there. Yeah, and, and definitely, like I said, give him a follow. He's posting out great content. Honestly, we need more people out there supporting the Timberwolves. And I'm always going to pump out people who are pu- you know, pushing out for my team. And lately, speaking of pushing, the playoffs are coming up. And, and the Timberwolves are really making a playoff push, man. They're on a four-game win streak, probably the biggest win streak of the year. And these have been the biggest games that we've seen so far. Like the other couple days, we beat Golden State. And we beat the Kings back to back, which is absolutely insane. I didn't think it was even possible. Um, I know that we had talked previously before we were on here that you believe that the Wolves, Tanner, were going to go seven and two. That you believe that they were going to finish seven and two with those last games and really make that push. What gave you the confidence to say that? Well, it was after the Chicago game, right? So we remember the double overtime. Torian has the turnover. And it was a really deflating loss. We go on mm-hmm. social media, you go on Twitter, and everybody's really down in the dumps. And obviously, the reports out of the locker room, slumped shoulders, hitting of chairs, everybody was upset. But mm-hmm. generally, when teams are checked out, like Timberwolves teams of the past, or teams are not together and unified, it shows in their body language. And that game, that was a team that was fighting all the way through that wasn't breaking. And one thing went wrong and it lost them a game. But if you remember, Ant goes down in the first quarter with a sprained ankle and you think it's a wrap. We got to go there. We got to go Toronto. We got to go New York. Holy crap. Our entire season is about to go out the window. Towns might not come back for the rest of the year. And what happened? Conley, career high three pointers. Gobert, almost a 20 rebound game, I believe. Jaden was incredible. All these guys were incredible. And Torian, who's been a linchpin of just being absolute consistency and professionalism, He had one of his worst games I've ever seen, and then he has that bad game. But I walked away going, I love how this team fights. I love Mm -hmm. how together this squad is. And the next night in Toronto, that's a schedule loss. That's a schedule loss with our fully constituted team, especially after two overtimes in Chicago, flying to Toronto, going through customs. It's a schedule loss. But I felt that with us being on a road trip with new teams, you find that they come together on these road trips or it breaks them apart. And what we found with this Timberwolves squad, who has a lot of new parts, is they came together on the road and they actually played better on the road than they do at home. So that's why going in the New York game, I thought they could go seven and two and get the sixth seed and then play the Kings in the first round and win in six. And now I'm getting greedy. I'm thinking, (laughs) I'm thinking four seed, five seed. I don't know. Are you feeling greedy? Oh, definitely. I'm feeling greedy over here for sure, man. And tonight, KD thinks he's going to return against our squad, and it's going to be so easy, but it ain't, man. Uh, just like, you know, Ant said, they got KD, but we got Jaden McDaniels. That's probably one of my favorite quotes ever. 
And now you got, I'm just so excited tonight to be in person, to go to the stadium and to watch Kevin Durant and Jaden McDaniels just go up against each other. I just think that's like such a treat to have a guy similar build. They just look like they're a clone of of each other out there. And I mean that just when they're standing and the way that they move. Not necessarily always the offensive side of the of the ball, but <laughs> I, I can't I can't wait to watch Jaden guard KD. I hope he can stay out of foul trouble. But like the whole thing with just them coming together, I think you could say that part of the reason they're coming together. I, I would give a lot of credit to a couple of the players. Uh, first, Kyle Anderson for keeping it together for you know the yep. first half of the year, especially with Carl being out, he's been huge. But yep. then now. I think you can say Mike Conley kind of came in and he's really helped as well. What what do you think of the how big Mike Conley's been since we've gotten him? Well, first and foremost, is tonight hot take a Western Conference Finals preview? Mm-hmm. Potentially. Let's do it. I live here, so I mean I'm okay with that. I mean, I'll, I'll be guilty to go I'll down to the drive, arena. I'll drive out there. We'll go to a game together when they make there the Western we go. Conference. We'll get Western Conference Finals. I like to. I love the Conley trade at the beginning. I, right away when it happened and it broke on Timberwolves Twitter, I know a lot of Wolves fans were upset because D'Lo, he was great in the community and a lot of kids loved him. But basketball is a team sport, and we forget that at times. And Mike Conley is an unselfish player. And what we see with this team is you have a lot of your older veterans that are unselfish, and there's a trickle-down effect that occurs. So – Torian's an unselfish player. Kyle is an unselfish player. Rudy Gobert is so unselfish. This guy sets hard picks. He does all the dirty work. He cleans up defensively on the rotations. He's like the quarterback back there, and he takes like one shot a game. And Mike coming in has really unlocked the playmaking ability of Ant and getting everybody else involved. And here's the thing with Mike that I don't know if I forgot or never knew, but his spot-up three-point shooting – is incredible and that really opens up spacing for the defense when Mike can get into the lane have the floater lava to Rudy but also you have to respect his jump shot especially when he's spotted up from three-point range because he's knocked down and I think he's shooting like 42 percent from three since he got here so yeah it's it, it was a no-brainer trade for me at the time especially considering D'Lo wasn't going to resign the numbers he wanted and then you add in Nah, and you add in the three seconds. I thought it was a no-brainer, and I'm happy that it's panned out the way it has, and I think all Timberwolves fans are more than okay with D'Lo not being on the squad, even though there's no ill will towards D'Lo. It's just Mike's a better fit. Yeah, I think some Timberwolves fans weren't, aren't always okay with – like I feel like they think like it's D'Angelo Russell's slander when it's not. A perfect example of this is I posted on my Twitter account the other day, and I put – how much better does Mike Conley fit with this current roster than D'Angelo Russell? Mm-hmm. My yeah. goodness, Conley has been great. Yeah. And it had 40,000 views on, on Twitter is what it's showing me. And, and from just reading some things in the comments, there's people that feel like I'm slandering D'Angelo Russell, which I'm not trying to do. My response to my post was, I think both D'Angelo Russell and Conley are better fits for their team teams after the trade deadline d'angelo wasn't a bad player but mike fits our current roster i'm happy for d'angelo i think la is great for him sometimes it's a win-win trade for both franchises absolutely look at that look at the pacers and kings halliburton for sabonis 
It's a win-win trade. We can even go Minnesota reference. Digs for Jefferson. That's a win-win trade. And that is okay. That's the way it's meant to be. And this was a win-win trade for everybody involved. And I think sometimes that we as fans, we you know get so caught up with fantasy basketball and watching highlights on TikTok and on YouTube and playing NBA 2K, we forget that basketball is not NBA 2K. Basketball, mm-hmm. you don't roll the ball out with the five best players and win. That's not how the game is played. These five players need to be constituted together as a team in order to have the most success. It's like Draymond Green in a vacuum is not a top 50 player in the NBA. But on the Golden State Warriors, he's one of the most valuable players in the NBA because it's a team sport. And with Mike Conley, we're seeing that because D'Angelo Russell is a more talented player, but he's not a better fit for this Mm -hmm. team. 100%. Yeah, and we saw it on the defensive end in the Knicks game. Or, no, the Warriors game. Remember the, the final possession? Yeah, and Jordan Poole. D'Lo wasn't even on the court on those final defensive possessions. And now Mike has the assignment of locking up the second-best playmaker on the Warriors. That's such a differing approach. And to have your eldest statesman and your point guard to have that, and then the final piece, Rudy Gobert and him and their relationship and embracing him, you see Rudy's confidence. Rudy's so much more confident. You can tell just from the way he walks, and mm-hmm. it's just a breath of fresh air. We needed that here, and we needed somebody who could come in and calm us down to in the late-game situations. Yes, you have Kyle Anderson, but sometimes, just depending on the matchups, you're going to need just a floor general point guard. And yep. Conley's that guy, and he's played, what, like 73 or something playoff games or something crazy, right? So mm-hmm. he has so much playoff experience uh, from back with the Grizzlies, with the Jazz, and just the whole factor of ever, like you said, I love the point you brought up, Tanner, about the confidence that we saw with Gobert. Mm-hmm. He does look like he's becoming more confident, man, and it's because of Mike Conley. If he feels mm-hmm. comfortable. I don't think he ever felt comfortable playing with D'Angelo. I don't know if all this stuff is true with people spreading rumors about them not having the best relationship between D'Lo and Rudy, but it sure doesn't – I mean, it sure leans towards that more and more when I see how different it is and how the chemistry is. They have their own handshake. Yep. Like, you, like, you just see it off the players, and they really believe. And the whole thing with Conley coming in and just doing simple things like showing the guys, hey, this is how you pass to Rudy Gobert. you got to put more – you know, throw it harder so the ball goes up right to here. You guys are doing it here. Just those little things so Rudy can handle the passes. This is where Gobert likes to receive the ball. And we've started to see that, you know, really help out the whole team. Well, Evan, that's an incredible point and spot on. It's getting him in the the ball in positions that he likes it. So the whole early on in the season, Gobert can't catch. He doesn't have hands. He's also seven foot two. And if you Mm -hmm. throw it at his knees, he's got to bend down and try and catch it. And just organically – D'Lo likes to throw low bounce passes and Gobert likes it high. So they're both going against what they're most naturally comfortable with doing. And we saw it with Ant early in the season. He was having a hard time connecting with Gobert and it's gotten better recently. But I don't, I forget who tweeted it out. It was something about Conley's bounce passes and how he would throw it harder in order for it to skip up towards Gobert's waist chest area so it's yeah. easier for him to catch. That's the nuance of basketball that people watching at home don't understand is little things like that putting you guys in position to succeed, especially a big guy who is a little bit offensively limited, 
But those easy dunks and getting him involved on those lobs, that is going to give him confidence, and that is going to inform his defense. And we've seen his defense and his rebounding go up a level to the point that against the Kings and the Warriors, the Warriors game in particular, we won that game on the defensive side of the ball. And in the Kings game, we won that game on the glass. When is the last time we could say that about a Minnesota Timberwolves team? Yeah, not 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 too often, to be honest with you. And we brought in Gobert. The whole trade went down because we needed someone to protect the paint. Brandon and we Clark. needed somebody who could clean the gas, right? Yeah, exactly. Brandon Clark. Brandon Clark. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so now what you're seeing is – Everybody was so worried about, including myself, with how do you, if you go up against these teams like the Warriors, the Kings, teams that can spread the score, shoot threes, spread the floor, you know, might play a little bit smaller. Like, how do you defend against them? Well, I thought Rudy Gobert held his own perfectly. I think the Wolves just having, this is crazy. I think having the perimeter defense now without having to hide D'Angelo Russell is really opened it up and it's, it's allowing Rudy Gobert to be him and do his thing that he does best, not put pressure on him to necessarily like run back out, run back to the, then run back to the paint. It's allowing him to just do what he does. And then on mm-hmm. top of that, now we have perimeter defenders. Now you don't have to always put Jaden on this guy or Ant on this guy. Mm-hmm. You have Mike Conley. I think just like the defense alone, just having that point of attack defender, that's been so underrated. Well, let's just run through it real quick. Like, so the knock on Gobert is you can't have him on the floor in crunch time because they can run five out spread and he can't guard the perimeter and then guard the rim. True in a vacuum. But who is he playing with one through four in Utah? You got Mike. You got Donovan Mitchell. And for all intents and purposes, is a much better defender than Donovan Mitchell, right? Mm-hmm. You, got Royce, you got Royce O'Neal, who's great, but he's not Jaden Long. Yeah, poor not man's Jaden McDaniels at that point. Yep. And then you've got Towns, which was Bogdanovich, which leads me to my next point. Sure, we can look at the free throws. We can look at the corny interview. Sure, he's corny, but he's our corny and we love him. We can look at the three-pointer against the Warriors, which was such a confident shot. But can we talk about how Towns, since he's came back, seems like a different guy? With those 54 games, sitting there watching the unselfishness unfold, mm-hmm. it feels like it's had a rub-off effect on him where he's going, oh, I don't have to do everything. I don't have to force the issue. Rudy's got my back. Mike's got my back. Ann's got my back. Kyle's got my back. Let me do my thing. And if I do my thing at a high level, we're all going to be better. That's what I've noticed with Carl. And you know, even though he didn't play against the Kings, it's very illuminating that the fourth time in franchise history, you have six players over 15 points in a game. That's a team that doesn't care who gets the glory, which was a knock on Cat in the past and i feel like he's shaking some of that off because of these guys like gobert anderson and conley i think um going on to that i think just the whole aspect of carl watching i think he always knew in the back of his head like hey you know there's all this talk about it eventually becoming anthony edwards team but it hadn't really happened yet and he was still playing well when he goes out he sits out for those 52 games he watched it happen in front of his eyes and, mm-hmm. and they obviously have a great relationship, but just the fact that like the, the kid, Anthony Edwards, like there's so many players that could come in and they could be, they could do that. And they, and it would rub off as cocky or, or just wrong. And there might be issues in the locker room. It'd be like, no, this is my team and all this stuff. But just like 
the joy that that kid plays with, the way that <laughs> Anthony Edwards leads by just not only just you know on the court but off the court, how everybody loves him, whether you're a vet or you're not, like everyone loves him. I just think you, if you're a Timberwolves fan, like you couldn't ask for a better player to really take the leap to be that, and then have Carl because of that. Carl just say, you know what, I love and that's my boy. Like I support him and. And then that helped when he came back to really accept, okay, you know what? It is Anthony Edwards' team. I'm okay with it. And I watched him prove it on the court. Mm-hmm. I have so much respect for him. And now now I feel the pressure is lifted off my shoulders to an extent. And I can just go out there and focus on just getting a team win. It doesn't matter what stats I put up. I just want to win the game. And, and you have to, I mean, we have to remember when we picked him, we were cellar dwellers. He was the second season in the NBA picked by NBA GMs as the number one guy you would want on your team if you were drafting a team for the next 10 years. Mm-hmm. So a seller dweller of a team, a franchise that's never really won before and then that kind of pressure. And Carl is one of the most skilled offensive big men we have ever seen. He's the greatest shooting big man ever. But some people aren't cut from that cloth. You want to know why? Because there's about five from a generation that are cut from that cloth. Kobe, Michael, Katie, LeBron. And if you're not one of them, then you can't elevate an entire franchise on your own. And with Carl taking that step back and with Ant, Ant is respectful of he wasn't coming in like the new kid on the block, like you said, pissing on the territory. So much so if you notice the nuances, when introductions happen, Carl's still the last guy that's called, even though it's Ant's team. Those are small little things, but with these athletes, that's ego, right? Yeah. And those are really, really important nuances. And you can't overstate the fact of Jaden's development, how it changes the entire landscape of this team, this franchise, and everything. Because I was having this conversation on Twitter, and I got roasted from young 12-year-old fans. But I wouldn't trade (laughs) Trey Young straight up for Jaden McDaniels, and here's why. Trey Young cannot be the number one option on a championship team. Trey Young is actually a selfish basketball player that's masked as a team first guy because he has high assist numbers. Guys like Jaden McDaniels and Desmond Bain, when you have stars in place, they help you win championships and they're harder to come by. Guys like that Trey Young tier, to me, they're – they are good stats, bad team, not winning basketball players because they don't do the little things that it takes to play winning basketball. What, uh, speaking of that, and you're on, on the line of Jaden McDaniels, what would you say? Like, we see, I feel like I've seen Jaden take a leap this year. And I, I just think that we've all seen the defense before, but the offense of game to really come out that we've handle seen flashes of it, that handle for sure. And, and just, the way all of a sudden now he's like not scared to drive to the hoop. Like, mm-hmm. I feel like he's not settling for as many like mid range shots. He's, he's like, I'm going to take a three pointer or I'm going to go in there and I'm going to slash in there or I'm going to yeah. cross over a guy. Like just that evolution of Jaden. Uh, I think I'm starting to see a star NBA player. And I, am I crazy Scottie. for saying that? No, Scotty Pippen, dude. Remember this summer when, you know, national media was giving us hell because we, because Conley said, well, we had to trade two more first-round picks because they wanted Jaden. We wouldn't give up Jaden, and everybody was making fun of us except for Timberwolves fans. Yeah, well, I actually put out something that recently on that was, like, 
was defending the Rudy Gobert trade and saying when people are tr- keep trying to bring up Walker Kessler, and I'm like, okay, that's cool and all, but we have Gobert and we have Jaden, and and the reason that we gave up this is because we didn't want to give up Jaden McDaniels, and I exactly. think I'm developed. Yeah, and I think that's huge, man. And I love and I love how people just do the the blanketed Walker Kessler blocks to Gobert. That's because he's playing on a team that has a bunch of sieves on defense, and it's all filtered to him. He's gonna get more blocks with more opportunities. But if you look at the advanced metrics, Walker Kessler is actually a negative defender in the NBA, which is to be expected from a rookie. But back to Jaden McDaniels for a second. We remember with Andrew Wiggins, right? His handle was never. It was never clean. It was he didn't awful have a, from the beginning. Awful, awful. And so we will always get frustrated because we're like, why doesn't he just go to the rim and dunk on everybody? Because he's so athletic. Well, he never had the handle. He had never had the handle into his combo moves, so they had to respect his pullback into his pocket or the blow-by in order to get to the rim. You never had to respect it, so he was settling for 18 to 20-foot contested garbage jumpers. We all remember this. PTSD. I still have it. I'm sure you do, Evan. Well, Jaden, what we've seen this year is he went and he actually worked on his weakest point of his game, which was his handle. And I don't know if you guys remember, but he had his shot pocket. It was more looping. Now it's tighter to his chest. And on his combo moves, he now has combo dribbles into his shot pocket because it's no longer looping and it's closer to his chest. So he can combo dribble into his shot in order to get it off with some separation where before he couldn't do that. So now defenses have to press up on him because he's knocked down and he can hit it off the bounce. So that opens up the lane, which we saw with that nasty dunk on the Kings. When he took off from that far away, I thought he was dunking it because he's a dog and he's that athletic. But we're starting to see, even he had that baseline drive earlier in the game where he yammed on them. He's putting it together because he's not thinking about the dribble to the new shot pocket that is just flowing with the game. And the more opportunity has really allowed him to grow, which is huge for this team because, you know, it, you, know you have Gobert, who's an all-star. Conley, who's an all-star, and who's an all-star, and Towns is an all-star, and McDaniels, who, for my money, in the next two years is going to win Defensive Player of the Year and be an all-star, you're starting five NBA all-stars. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, it's crazy because I think about back when Gerson Rosas was here and what he really found, and, and speaking of handles, you have Jaden, who has handles, Nas, who's arguably has some of the best handles I've seen in yep. a big in period, yep. and then... Jordan McLaughlin, obviously it's a given, but still they found him. Um, yep. And Anthony Edwards, great handles as well. Guard with fantastic above average handles. And yep. so that can't be understated. On top of that, it's like. And Kyle. Watch, and Kyle. And Kyle, yeah. But when I watch Jaden, when I watch Jaden play, I feel like it's like when you watch a movie and they're showing you a, um, like a movie about somebody with, that has like powers of some sort. And they, they're kind of like, they're growing up. Like it could be like mm-hmm. Spider-Man and all of a sudden he starts discovering like a web accidental web comes out of his, you know, his wrist. And he's like, Oh, I can do that. And yep. I, Oh, I can swing over here. Like Jaden's like, I'm watching. He's so good and he knows it and he does his things. But then he like, he stumbles into like, Oh, I can do this. And I can do this. Like there's like infinite powers for that guy of what he can become and the prototype that he is. And there's just, the ceiling is just so high. And he's just only tapping it. But it's just fun to watch the kids see that, like, he's like, oh, maybe I can do this or I can do this. And he just keeps going, getting better. Well, and we forget, you and I are elder statesmen um, watching this game comparatively to the kids 
that are playing the game that we're cheering for. I mean, I'm 36 years old. I have no qualms about saying this. I'm so old. I played Mike Conley Jr. in basketball in AAU in high school. And Mike <laughs> Conley's like one foot out the league because he's so old in this terrible contract. That's how old I am. Jaden McDaniels and Anthony Edwards are 21 years old. They should still be going to chemistry class in college. And this is the development that they have because when they put the work ethic with the understanding of the game, they're going to keep developing. So the sky is totally the limit for these guys. And we have to give Joe and the development staff on the Wolves so much credit because I know for a fact Joe's been working with Jaden since he's a rookie. And Jaden puts in that work in the summer. He stayed this summer with Nas to put in that work. And Luca was here this summer. Those guys are in the gym. And those coaches are pushing these guys to be their best versions of self. So the whole staff and the whole organization is just so differing than the team that we grew up with and the franchise we grew up with because they're putting not just on the floor, it's all happening behind the scenes with the Tim Conleys and then your development coaches and Chris Finch. I know stats wise, he's the second best coach we've ever had. I'm telling you right now, Flip's an awesome coach and I'm never going to disparage him. He did incredible things. X's and O's wise, Finch is a better game manager and adjuster than Flip was. Ooh. I'm telling you. <laughs> That's a hot take that I bet a lot of Timberwolves fans would argue with uh, on that. Um, I'm not going to go either way because I love both guys so much. Um, no, and it's but- not a slight on Flip. I'm just saying that getting the most out of the players that you have, Finch has done that in spades and the adjustments. The Timberwolves of yesteryear, they always underwhelmed during that time. One first round exit in eight years. And so that's the only difference. They're both incredible co- coaches. I'm just stating from a developmental standpoint, this yeah. Timberwolves coaching staff is the best we've ever seen. That is true. I mean, you're you're getting guys that were undrafted, like Nas, really showing up, having a, a fantastic year. I thought we could not, we wouldn't have been here without Nas Reed. I mean, I, I just love that kid. I love he's gotten better every year. I love that he's came into the league and dropped weight, uh, got his body in shape looking slim he, he's the handles have improved can do it all offensively obviously there's the liabilities on defense but I just think he's so talented and he's still so young that whole timeline with him and, and Jaden and Ant I mean that's so important to have in your bag obviously he's going to be an unrestricted I believe this this coming off season so I just believe you have to sign Nasri back even if and worst case scenario, you can trade him. I mean, there's always going to be value of a guy like that who shows that much upside or that much. No, we don't trade him. We're bringing player. him back. We're talking into existence. That's the. Oh. That's the. No, no, no. I mean, I mean, not trading him right away, but I'm saying like you know, in a like let's say in a couple of years, like you're like oh, like let's okay. say you sign him on a three, four year or a, a two year, and you you play the first year, and, and you realize hey, we just don't have the minutes here, per se, with all the bigs. Oh, we you will could trade him. I'm saying you run, could trade four, him. He can run four and five. Can, can I nerd out a little bit real quick on the D'Lo trade and not talking about fit with Mike Conley, just like from an economic standpoint? Yeah, go so, for it. So this is, this is my nerd out at the time outside of just fit uh, with the basketball team that I like better. If we're talking purely economics from D'Lo to Mike Conley, there's one year, less, one year left in the Conley deal. D'Lo is up for an extension. The difference in money was about $8 million, Right. So that $8 million on the books that we're going to save next year 
that allows us to re-sign somebody like Nas, who's probably going to get $12 million. But with Mike coming off the books next year, what happens this summer? The max extension for Ant and the big extension for Jaden, they're going to be signed. They're going to kick in the following year. So you're going to have a two-year look at this team as constituted to see if the Gobert Towns exper- experiment works. And then after that two years, the Jaden contract's going to kick in. The Ant contract's going to kick in. You can decide whether you're going to resign Mike. And then you're going to uh, – and, and then and J- and Jaden – and Towns has his contract, right? And yeah. Gobert has his contract. Well – of all the assets that we sent out, if it doesn't work or you can't handle it with the cap space, then you adjust with either Go Bear or Towns on the way out, and you do a quick rebuild around Ant and Jaden. So it's a twofold way of winning in the now and still giving yourself flexibility to have options in the future. And so outside of three seconds and Nah, who I loved in New Orleans, who's a better defending Ramon Sessions from my standpoint, and Mike being a better fit. The cap flexibility that Conley's seeing on the big board is chess. And that's why it's such a huge thing that this team can compete now and still have flexibility in chess moves in the future with these two stars in Jaden and Ant. And that's why finding guys like Nas Reed, finding guys like when you get a knob back in a trade, like Nikhil Alexander-Walker is young. He does fit. And he'll be due uh, to get re-signed soon as well. I mean – if He's restricted. You get, yep, restricted. So we do own we do own the rights. We can match any offer for those fans listening. But um, it's huge because I I love him too, and he's a piece that you could sign for an affordable contract and have him on years that matches the timeline. And he still has some upside, right? We've okay. seen what he can do, and so you have those are the pieces you have to make as a GM when you're mm-hmm. playing chess with other people who are playing checkers when you want to zig when the zag yeah 100 percent. and don't glaze glaze over the not thing i mean remember warriors game second quarter torian's in foul trouble jane's in foul trouble who does finch put in to lock up curry and he does it not not shot pockets a little bit inconsistent but he's a playmaker so if this offseason is timberwolves fans we all get frustrated with Jalen Noel, but we have 15 million to play with. You have Jalen Noel, Nas, and Nas on the table. You re-sign two of them. I think Timberwolves fans are choosing Nas number one, obviously, and they're choosing Nas over Jalen. Would you agree? I would. I would. Yeah, yeah. I love Jalen Noel. I think he's been, you know, obviously great. I thought he was gonna have a better year. He hasn't. It is what it is. But the whole lie, even when he's having games where he's scoring, the liability on defense has been. It's just hard. It's tough, and. And this team, I just, I just think they feed off how they're built currently. I think the players really feed off defense. I think that really gets everything going for our team. And I just, the age, the the length, the the just the ability, the versatile defense he can provide, and the three point shooting. I just think that we have enough scoring offense. We don't need always a Jalen Noel, right? You can have Nas Reed be your microwave scorer. Exactly. I just I would rather have a guy like Nikhil Alexander Walker coming out there, and I just think there's an I still I believed in him when he's coming out of the draft. I believe Nikhil Alexander Walker has something more to show. He's shown flashes of it, but I just think there's something there with that kid. And remember, Chris Finch wanted him in the trade mm-hmm. with Mike Conley. He coached uh-huh. him back in New Orleans, right? There's something Chris Finch knows, and if we believe in Chris Finch as much as we do. Yep. Then we should ride the wagon and stick with Nikhil. Absolutely. And the Timberwolves were shocked that they put him in the trade. Remember? 
and when when the, yeah. when the deal went down there, Shaq, they put him in the trade. So Evan, you are going to the game tonight. You're meeting up with a bunch of Timberwolves fans. Uh-huh. What besides KD's return? What are the things? What are the things you're most excited for tonight about the game? Tonight, uh, obviously, uh, watching Jaden McDaniels and Kevin Durant go up against each other 100%. I think that matchup's elite. I think it's something that if you're going to the playoffs, that's all you dream of as a fan. Watching two guys, similar body build, going up against each other, Jaden guarding him on defense, seeing if KD can handle it. Just because you just love to see a young kid really go out there. It's like watching a young cornerback in the NFL yeah. up against one of the studs, right? That's what I feel like I'm watching right now mm-hmm. tonight. So just being able to see that in person is amazing. And then on top of that, you got uh, just to see how different it is because we faced Phoenix earlier in the year. And I just thought little things got to them in that game. Uh, I think Chris Paul always shred us, uh, can get to us, kind of shred us in the on the point of attack. And so now that we have Mike Conley, now that we have other guys around, I'm just curious to see like how different it is because I just felt like before it's like, how do you guard Devin Booker? Uh, well, you have Devin Booker and you have Chris Paul, right? So it's like you couldn't put Jaden on Chris Paul because then you're leaving Booker open. And mm-hmm. now it's like, well, if you put Jaden, if you put Jaden on KD, and now you have a guy like Kyle Anderson who in the beginning of the year was hurt, having issues. You have him. You have all these guys that you can put on a Devin Booker or somebody else. I just think they have all these Swiss Army knives that can switch around. You can put Ant on him. Yep. I just think like the Wolves as a whole, right? They're defending and the whole Rudy Gobert thing, understanding how Rudy plays. I just yep. think, and now you can put him in a guy like DeAndre Aiden, who isn't as skilled as other bigs. I think he matches up really good, like really well. Like I think Gobert will do good against him. And Aiden's a big guy. So just having, I think it's better for him to be on there than Cat. I don't know. I'm just really, I'm, I'm really optimistic about the game. I think uh, the Cam Johnson, them losing him is super underrated. I told you that. I just think, not having that little three-point shooting where they can kick it out to consistently. I don't know. Little. I just think it's game changer. That dude was a killer. He was, he was a killer, like... and he had he had 29 points, I think, against the Wolves earlier yeah. in the year in Phoenix and killed us from three. He's like one of those dudes, whenever we play him and he shoots it, I think it's going in. It's just like – it's like it's not Steph Curry, but Steph Curry always puts the fear of God into you where you're just like, every time he shoots this, I feel like it's going in. That was Cam Johnson when he would shoot against the Wolves. And I'm just interested to see how the Timberwolves – as a whole hold up. And what I mean by that is Phoenix has the most elite starting scoring unit in the entire NBA when fully constituted. And if the Minnesota Timberwolves can play to a draw or better, their bench is so superior to the Suns. I don't know if Jaden, you're not going to stop Booker and Durant, but if we can slow them down to the point where they have difficult shots and the percentages aren't 60%, they're lower in the 40s, how the Timberwolves bench can open the game up in that second yep. quarter. We would you win with I mean? the bench. I agree. Like The bench is huge. They will be huge tonight. We need them to come through because I think if we have a good bench performance, like you're saying, we can really win this game. And and that and that's that's just because exa- like 100% our bench is better. The Suns don't really have a bench like they used to when they made that Western Conference run that everyone remembers a few years ago. They aren't the same sons. They're more no. top-heavy now. And well, KD's going to be on a minute. Paul's older. Paul, Paul's, Paul's older. KD's going to be on a minute restriction tonight. I don't know what that's going to be. I don't know if it's that much. Who knows? He's only missed, what, 10 games? So, I don't know. What do you think KD's going to play, 25? or? What? Well, when he, he was playing like between like 20, like 25 when he came back. 
and he'd come back for the final three minutes of crunch time. I, I guess the Hornets, which isn't really saying much, even though they're hot right now, really helping us out, by the way. Thank you, Charlotte. Um, but, you know, he, he'll he'll get his 25 minutes in, but it's it's more of a flow thing, right? With the Suns having KD, that offensive weapon, he just opens everything up, and they got really boggled down trying to run through Booker, and Paul just is not the same guy that he used to be. Aiton is not an offensive weapon, and they're starting a Kogi, and we all love Josh, but come on. We never thought Josh's shots were going in when he was on Minnesota. So um, some things just don't change. So I'll just, I'll be interested to see how the Suns stem the tide. But Evan, do you think? All right, just like big picture thinking here. Yeah. Playoff the playoffs. Yeah. Minnesota Timberwolves are the four seed, and in the first round of the playoffs, they're they have home court advantage taking on the Phoenix Suns, or the Minnesota Timberwolves are the six seed, and in the first round of the playoffs. They are on the road taking on the Sacramento Kings. Which six seed. I don't even have to hesitate. The six seed versus the Kings. I, I want agree. that. That's my ideal matchup. I want it for both fan bases. I absolutely love the Kings team. I absolutely love and I feel for those fans for them. I feel for those fans because we're a, we're literally like the same fan base, right? We both exactly. had so many years off. We both have gone through the ringer and – I feel like our teams were always good in our primes. We faced, you know, back when they Chris Webber and Mike Bibby and like we KG, we went at it in the playoffs. Like I just absolutely love that matchup. And I think having young players go at it and just fun and fans that can really respect each other and like go into each other's arenas. And, and yeah. I don't know, it's just something about that. It just seems kind of like, it just seems like a vibe, Tanner. I'm gonna be honest with you, uh, dude. I, those those Kings games are the most fun games. They're high level of basketball. National it, media is like picking it up. Here's something I was just thinking, Evan. That's actually a really good uh, lesson in how the NBA is going. Let's say Luca doesn't make it and Trey doesn't make it. What you're looking at in the Western Conference, you got the Nuggets, who are very team oriented with Jokic, that monster who I love playing. Grizzlies, they're very team oriented. Kings, they play team ball. The Suns, a little bit less, but you have Durant and, and Booker. You got the Warriors who play team ball, the Wolves who play team ball, the Pelicans who play team ball, and I'm missing one right now. Oh, the Clippers, they're, they're a little bit on the fence. But you remember that era a few years ago before they changed their rules where everybody was foul baiting and hunting? We saw it the other night with the Hawks. Trey mm-hmm. Young, high usage. Russell Westbrook, high usage. Luka, high usage. It seems to me with the European influence, the NBA is becoming more of a European style of basketball, and that's what wins with the ball movement and these bigs that can pass than the heavy ISO ball. And for me, watching guys like Sabonis play and Fox play is so much more aesthetically pleasing than a Luka. And I love that for the league. (laughs) Yeah, because it's like they play basketball the right way. Exactly. Like the Timberwolves go out and they play the right way. And so that's why that matchup would be amazing. And on top of that, I just think that series is built to go deep versus like, like you feel like you don't even have to say, well, or there's no argument. It's just like that series, that's going deep. And that's yep. what you want. As I don't care if you're not even a fan of the Kings or you're not a fan of the Timberwolves, like, and you just, but you're just an NBA fan. Like that's what you want. Those are the games you want to tune into when you're like, Hey, these are two electric young teams, and man, I can't wait to watch Darren Fox and Anthony Edwards go up against against each other, and I can't wait to watch Carl Anthony Towns and Demotis Sabonis go up against each other. Like that's what you want in those matchups. Yeah, and I, I, I just that's the ideal matchup. Like I wish for 
I hope for. We'll see if it happens. They have what? What do they have? Six games remaining? Seven? Uh, six games remaining. We're going to beat the Kings in six. Then we're going to go to Memphis and whoop that trick. And then we're not going to be scared of altitude. And we're going to say, "What's up, Bucks? How you doing, guys? Oh, a little Midwest swing over here. We got this. I'm sure the NBA is going to hate that for ratings with their collective bargaining and their TV rights deals up this offseason. But don't hate the player, hate the game. Your two best squads are in the Midwest. Minnesota, Milwaukee, it's going to be rowdy like a Brewers Twins game in the summertime. I'm so excited. I just, there's so many things to look forward to. I really, I really think like if we win tonight, I, I can't even imagine what that would do for the team and confidence wise, what would that would do for the roster, just in general, the coaches, the whole staff, and, and the fan base. I just think then you return home to face the Lakers on Friday. Could you imagine if the Wolves win tonight? what that sets up that home crowd on Friday against LA. The D'Angelo Russell revenge game. <laughs> I mean, I just feel like, first of all, they've already like sold the game out. I saw they released the upper tarps. Or upper, they took the tarps off the upper level, I should say. And they, they sold it out of the remaining well, seats. So well, that stadium's going to be a full house. It's a Jared Vanderbilt homecoming. We all got to go see Vando out there. I oh love, yeah. That's I freaking love Vando, man. I love him too. Man, yeah. uh, it's going to be great. Tanner, man, it's been awesome having you on. Evan, Is there bro. anything else you want to add before we kind of wrap things up? Let's man? let's do this again. I, I, I'm I going to be watching. I do my recap videos on YouTube. Uh, head over there. Check it out. Support us both on Twitter. This is so much fun. And have the best time at the game tonight. I'm so jealous. Root our boys on. I can't wait. I said 7-2. and two. Let's go for 9-0. and oh. Let's get greedy. Woo! He's going greedy, everybody. Nine and oh, you heard it first from Tanner. Hey, Tanner, man, it's been great having you on. We'll definitely do it again. And if the Wolves make the playoffs, maybe we're going to have to get a group and we'll have to catch a game or something or do something for the fans. I don't know. Let's do it, brother. I'm down for whatever. The, the Timberwolves, Twitter, and the fans, we are a, a small bunch that is coming out of the woodwork that's passionate. And the people on Twitter are absolutely fantastic passionate fan base and i can't wait when we raise the banner first minnesota sports championship in over 30 years to celebrate with all you fools yeah and and when we put the kyle anderson statue up outside target <laughs> center but but anyway but anyway man it's been great having you on i uh, appreciate everyone for listening and and as always man uh, go wolves go wolves